If you're old enough to remember the late 80s and early 90s, more than likely you remember those steamy, sultry, adult 1-900 numbers that filled the television airways late at night. What you might not remember is the hundreds, if not thousands, of people that became almost instant millionaires because of mankind's desire for not only a sexy voice, but also what could be considered by some as inside information. 1-900 numbers, time-wise, were just a blip on the radar, but the memories, impact, and income they generated show the world that people would definitely open their wallets to get what they were looking for, especially horny adults. From preteens wanting to hear a pre-recorded message from one of their movie heartthrobs to lonely adults looking for love, 900 numbers offered much of what the internet would introduce us to just before the days of dial-up. We'll reminisce on the memories that were, but before you listen, make sure you get your parents' permission first. And then enjoy this... Alright, in this fireside chat, we're going to dive into the long-lost world of 1-900 pay-per-call phone numbers. Mm-hmm. What do you guys remember about 900 numbers? I remember getting in trouble for calling a 900 number as a kid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I called the video game hotline, and man, it cost me more than $1.99 per minute when everything came to an end, man. I got my butt beat for that one, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I imagine that is a very common story. Yes. I never did it. I had the fear of God in me, man. I just was like, you know, I do remember all the commercials being a kid and it was like some sort of like fever dream thing where I I was watching TV and then like, yeah, there was like a boy George number you could call and talk to boy George. And I was like, why is that woman on TV? (laughs) My mom was like, you know, yeah. And they had all of those though. They had the Corey numbers and it was a uh, functional way for people to uh, lose a lot of money. Every celebrity had it, you know, so. Yeah, I called the wrestling hotline a couple times, and I got the same fate you did, buddy. A stern ass whipping and a a talking to, you'll never call these numbers again, you moron. So let's extrapolate that out. 66% of American kids in the the 80s (laughs) called 900 numbers and got their asses served to them by their parents. I'm the statistical outlier here. (laughs) So 900 numbers first came to public notice as a polling device in Mm -hmm. 1980, When ABC's Nightline asked viewers who they thought won the Ronald Reagan-Jimmy Carter presidential debate. Right. I was going to say, I was reading a little bit on it, too, and the 900 number first appeared in 1971, but wasn't used until 1977 for Ask the President, which was for a thing to call in to talk to Jimmy Carter or something like that. But then they did start using it as like they were calling it like pulse polls or something like that, yep. where you could call in. It was like 50 cents. That's it. To whatever it was. So That's exactly right. For 50 cents, viewers could call one of two numbers, and AT&T recorded the number of calls to each to determine who the audience felt was the winner. So exactly, they used like a polling line. Yeah. But I mean, like you had to pay to vote? Well, I think it was like the texture thing for American Idol back in the day or something yeah. like that. Or, But yeah, 50 cents, and you could give your vote as to who won the debate. Yeah. You know, I mean, back then, though, that's like a pretty novel technology where you're like, oh, I can actually interact and my number will be counted. And it's just 50 cents. You know, honestly, I probably would have done it at the time because it's not like, you know, we're we're taking for granted the technology we have now to post things up online. Sure. There was no way to do that back then. Right. So you could literally just like register what your thought was. Yep. So in 1981, the first full year of service, AT&T recorded 10.9 million calls. The numbers that would follow in the coming years would make that number seem very small. The first big 900 number was actually on a 1982 Saturday Night Live show. Yeah, Larry the Lobster. That's right. You want to save Larry the Lobster? Eddie Murphy told the viewers 
dial 1-900-720-1808. If you want to kill them, dial 1-900-720-1909. Now, unless you call in to save them, we're going to boil Larry's little butt right here on national television. The phone company is going to charge you 50 cents, but isn't it worth 50 cents to save Larry's life? Or look at it this way. Isn't it worth half a buck to see us boil Larry on TV? Right? Yeah. Wow. That Saturday Night Live episode Eddie Murphy set yeah. it off, man. It really set well, it off. Well, and you know, I think the proceeds ended up being almost half a million dollars, and AT&T and Saturday Night Live split it. Oh, they knew they had a gem. That's exactly right. Oh, my gosh. A half a million dollars generated on that. That's insane. Yeah. What I didn't find out was what happened to Larry the Lobster. So I'll tell you. Okay. So at least four times during the April 1982 episode... Murphy petitioned the audience to call in, even telling Larry the Lobster's life story. By the end of the show, almost 500,000 people had placed calls. The episode caused such an expected spike in calls to AT&T, the phone carrier, later created a team to track the number of man-made events that could disrupt its system. Wow. And that night, AT&T billed more than $200,000, making a glorious moment in the young 900 number business. Okay. So yeah, over 200K on the one Saturday Night Live episode. Could you imagine being like the executives in the back room that night? Like, they're like, listen to this fucking dumb idea. Holy shit. Lauren Michaels was like, let's do it every episode. And so the way the story kind of played out is a woman sent, uh, honestly, it was kind of a racist letter to Eddie Murphy. Oh, Um, of course. Why not? Yeah. It says something about, I didn't know you people ate seafood. He was like, oh, okay, cool. So uh, the next I was week's like, you episode, you haven't listened to much rap music lately because there's always talking about I eat my favorite line in rap music of all time. I eat so many shrimp, I've got iodine poisoning. That's that's right. <laughs> so Eddie Murphy read that letter and was like, oh, "Okay, fine." So the next week's episode, it showed a picture of his face talking to this lady, like, "You sent me this letter," and it pans out, and Larry the Lobster was boiled on his plate, Aww. and Murphy uh, started dining. But it was like a real dark moment because he was kind of pissed because the lady. Understandable. Yeah, it was, I was really rooting for, for the lobster to live. <laughs> in 1987, AT&T started a national program that allowed 900 information providers, people who provided the audio content, the chance to earn money from their numbers. Similar to the way anyone can now start their own e-commerce website, AT&T opened up the 900 program to any entrepreneur who had an idea and set the price up to $2 for the first minute of the call and for additional minutes. An entirely new economy opened up overnight, and the first 900 numbers struck gold. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course. So the average call length for 900 numbers was usually about three and a half minutes. So that brought your total price to about five bucks a call, split among the carriers, the service bureau, and then the owner of the number. Look at these studs over there lasting three and a half minutes on the sex call. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Uh, There's a couple that would have a minimum set. And if they had a minimum set, I mean, it is what it is. You're getting, we'll dive into one that was a, a pretty pricey uh, sex call here. Okay. A guy by the name of Bruce Kushnick. He was a telecom strategist who helped Sprint start its own 900 service in 1989. Says that during those early days, it was a free for all. He remembers being in a meeting with 25 or so of the first national paper call developers when someone asked how many people in the room were millionaires. Just about everyone raised their hand. As we're talking about this right now, there is second generation wealth, maybe listening to this show, yep. whose wealth was generated from 900 numbers Absolutely. in the early 80s. Absolutely. There was one woman that... Uh, Why couldn't it be my fucking dad? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Come on, dad. Way to go, man. Oh, there was one lady. It was a single mom kind of struggling her way through life. 
created this 900 number and wound up becoming rich, put her kids through college, made herself well-to-do. Like a sex line? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it wasn't her. It was just other people. Shh. Right. Yeah, Shh. sure. Yeah. We don't know. It, it had her name. How hire those people? This is what she's told her kids. The second generation of rich kids right now are like, but my mom didn't do the sex thing. <laughs> you're like, yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, she uh-huh. did. And, and what kind of interview is that, you know, when you're like, so we're, uh, we got an opening uh, back on the lines, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be on the phone all night. You know, uh, you'll be having phone sex with men, or <laughs> yeah. at least acting like you are. Yeah. What music video was it where the lady was having phone sex and it was a fat lady ironing clothes? Yeah. Um, maybe like a Blink-182 video or something like that. I think it's Could something have been like that. that. Yeah. Uh, but I remember Geraldo having a show because my mom raised me on trash television, and I vividly remember this, where they had phone sex operators calling and talking out loud, and then they would do the reveal where if I recall correctly now, again, this is a memory that I might have just made this up whole cloth in my mind, <laughs> but they pulled up a giant cardboard box and it was just some slovenly fat lady. And everybody was like, oh, and I remember feeling like sorry for her because, uh, you know, you're like, wow, you're like, well, look how ugly you are, but you sound great. Yeah. You really turned me on. Just yeah. let me see you. Yeah. God, what an ugly bitch. <laughs> The variety of genres seemed to cover the complete spectrum of human interest. So we'll go over a few of the most popular 900 numbers of the day. Hulk Hogan's fan line. Yeah. The Hulkster's line was the most profitable 900 number from 1991 to 1993 on AT&T. Wow. Hulk Hogan wrestling's line. Oh, nice. Yep. And again, that was the number I got in trouble for. It wasn't Hulk. It was WCW. Oh, Because we're in the South. That's the promotion that was going on down here. But yeah, I definitely remember calling the wrestling line. And uh, did they talk to you? It was a pre-recorded bullshit. Oh thing. my god, that's just insulting. So what, okay, but here's the thing: on the commercials, what they would do is that they would show like Vince McMahon and a couple of the guys sitting around the table, and they would be like, "Hold on, we got to call Hulk. Call his line right now." Oh yeah, and they'd pick up the phone and call the 900 line, and then they'd be like, "Hulk, Hulk." Yo, did you know that Miss Elizabeth was there taking pictures with the Macho Man Randy Savage? That's right. Oh, he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew everything was going yeah. on. Yeah, he knew everything, you know, and be like, that's right, how Hulk. you have to sell it. Well, they started working <laughs> the 900 numbers into the actual business. So wrestling would go on and say it went off at seven o'clock. Uh-huh. There would be a match like coming to a very end. You could tell it was about to climax mm-hmm. and they'd cut and you had to call the 900 number to see how the match ended. Oh, that's oh, yeah, very, that's not cool, actually. Yep, absolutely. At all. And I think that's probably why I call that. Watch, I'm like, ah, I got to know if the Steiner brothers beat him. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah, what if there was, like, truth in advertising, though, and they're like, yeah, call Hulk Hogan now, and it just cuts to a fucking old school recorders or whatever. <laughs> hey, brother, thing is, I'm a total recording. I don't give a shit about you. I'm just, I got your four bucks. Now, fuck off. <laughs> I feel ripped. Yeah. So another very popular line was called the Roommate's Sexy Hotline. This just wasn't your standard phone sex line. It was one that was angled specifically at the fantasy of two bored female roommates who wanted to talk dirty to you. Okay. Catch this. 12-minute minimum at $3 a minute. Woo! $36 call minimum. $36 rub-out session. That's an expensive jack session. Yes, it is. Even nowadays. Yeah. Man, and that's 90s money, yeah. too. Like that's, that's like 50 bucks or so. Yeah, but it's interesting because I I wish we had like the steez to get like a uh, a prominent economist on here and talk about 
the pricing power of porn over the years and how it's diminished so greatly. <laughs> because like back in the day, those porn movies they could sell them for like forty bucks. Yep. People were like, "Yeah, dude, whatever." So thirty six bucks for a Jack Sesh in the eighties was probably about reasonable market value. Nowadays, I'm always blown away that people actually pay for porn. Yeah, yeah, and right. I'm like, how does the industry still exist? Exactly. You know what I mean? But uh, so yeah, I don't know if there's any economists listening that want to talk about some real filthy shit. We're here to <laughs> <laughs> we're here to have you on the show. <laughs> Another uber popular uh, line during this time was the New Kids on the Block fan hotline. Of course, NKOTB. They said this was probably the greatest fan hotline of all time. Of course. They said the best part of this ad is when Joey McIntyre just pretended to be talking on the phone uh, on kind of an over-the-top pantomime. Yeah. Yeah, just weird. Again, it wasn't live. It was all pre-recorded, you know. And, and these guys don't have time to sit no. and answer phone calls. Well, the thing about even if they did, were they going to field a thousand phone calls from <laughs> horny preteens? <laughs> That'd be weird. Well, sometimes they would use a, a like a little trick that'd be like, call into the number and then we'll give you our number yep. and then you can talk to us. You oh, know? That's right. uh, yeah. There's a hell of a lot of bait and switch going oh, on. Oh, absolutely. Here, then you had Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff's fan hotline. All right. In nineteen eighty nine, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince rap hotline earned the stars at least six figures in income in 1989 due to the 900 number. Tax dollars paid? Zero. Yeah. (laughs) That's actually actually why he took the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because he had a massive tax bill that he hadn't paid. Really? And he was like, whatever, the bill fucking, and little did he know. Yeah. Yeah, because if it wasn't for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, we wouldn't even, honestly, it would be like... An alternate reality right now. Not even talking about, yeah, like Rakim or somebody like that. It would be like, that guy had a couple hits and that was it. But yeah, so there you go. This 900 number might very well be the the, the reason that we had Fresh Prince and all of the movies. And all of Smith's work after that, yeah. That's insane. So, buddy, going back to what you were talking about, the Video Game Hints Hotline. Oh, yeah. So, Video Game Hints were a huge market for the 900 numbers. Nintendo... Konami, Sega, and all the popular video game makers of the 80s had paid tip lines. And you're exactly right, man. You you couldn't figure out how to get past whatever in Zelda. Call the 900 number, baby. You, they'd walk you through it or whatever. All right, but here was the thing, though. Like, you would call in and you'd be like, all right, cool. Like, I'm on Contra on level four, like, board three, and I need to know how to get past this boss. And they'd be like, all right, hold on. Let me get to that. Flip, flip, flip. And, like, you're just sitting there biting your nails on the other end, like... Hurry up! Hurry up! I, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I've got a timer going right now, and now I'm already at like two minutes. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're taking a sweet time. That's what I was thinking. I was like, the mechanics of that conversation has to be completely insane because you're literally having to describe, like, you know, what I'm saying. And what if you're just not a very eloquent person? You're right. getting, What does the boss look like? He's big, man. Uh, <laughs> he's there's. I, he keeps killing me. And they're just like, the clock's ticking. I mean, you know, especially, I guess that would be a good metric for how dumb your kid is, like how expensive that bill is. <laughs> so that was actually a big problem with the later, even these 900 numbers and later, is they would intentionally delay you. Yeah, of course. They would almost not, almost like put you on hold mm-hmm. to get to you. And you're sitting there clocking 99 yeah. cents a minute minimum. Yeah. They know exactly what they're doing. See, you know and that's I mean? the thing. Can't we just go back to the good old days when people were honest? <laughs> when was that it never was yeah, let me, let me know it's when always, that was yeah, there's always a sort of revisionist history that like people were honest manufacturing was real <laughs> everybody worked hard jobs and was good to each other bullshit bullshit 
So then you had probably the weirdest of them all. It was called the crying hotline. Oh, I already love it. Whoa. Yeah, it was a number that you can call that'll make you cry. Oh, no, I thought it was going to be the opposite. Like, sometimes you have a real stressed out day and you just want to cry, but you can't do it in front of your friends because they'll think that you're a total bitch. <laughs> I have experienced this before. I'm just saying, I have a friend that talked about this one time. Me and Randy would pull up and we'd be like, hey, is Mikey ready? I don't know. He's on the phone. He said he'd be out in just a couple more minutes. Yeah. All right. But he had to get that good old cry out on the cry line. That's it. Exactly. I had a cordless phone with the antenna that was four feet long and I'm in the shower with the water on just crying it out. <laughs> So, yeah, the question was asked, what makes people all over America break down and cry like this? So for two dollars a minute, you, too, can find out. You'll probably look at your phone bill after this and start crying as well, I would assume. Yeah, it's a double. It's a, you know, it's a double uh, effort or double win or I don't know. Okay, now, did y'all hear about the phone lottery game line? Uh -uh. No, you literally the premise of this 900 number was that if you were the lucky caller, you could win prize money. It was basically like a phone lottery ticket. So oh, like I did read about this. Yeah. So basically people would just call in and like maybe what they had to assign like one winner per hour. You know what I mean? But how many calls would you get in? Was it, it verified? Well, what they would win would be usually ten dollars or less in value. Uh, so you could even have multiple winners. Yeah. But even your phone call in to get okay. the lottery would sometimes offset or even exceed what yeah. your winnings were. Jesus and Christ. Most people didn't win, obviously. <laughs> yeah. They're like, man, I won negative four bucks. Feeling pretty lucky. Yeah. Feeling good. Tonight was a good night. So some other notable numbers included Freddy Krueger's phone line. Oh, hell yeah. Yep. Are you ready for a dream? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got a wet dream. It's Freddy Krueger's 900 number. Yeah. What are you doing, Freddy? He's like, oh, you know, just uh, tearing my dick skin off with my razor blade hand. <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, actual number was one nine hundred nine zero nine Fred. Ah, yeah, nice. why the nine zero nine? That was a very common prefix. Nine zero nine was like the five 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 of back in the day, but that's what it was associated with nine hundred numbers. Yeah. Oh yep. man, okay. I thought it was gonna be some sort of inside cool thing. So this tells you how much is ingrained into my brain. The wrestling number was one nine hundred nine zero nine ninety nine hundred. Still remember the number to this day. It is a tough number to remember. Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, not really. <laughs> <laughs> my memory. I still remember this number. Five, 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 five. <laughs> it forever changed my life. <laughs> yeah, like Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff, their number was uh, 900-909 Jeff. Huh. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And then you had the Corey's hotline, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman's fan hotline. And this mm-hmm. one... Uh, these two guys were at the top of their game right around this time. You had yeah. Lost Boys. You had all their the movies that they were in together. You know what I mean? They were teen heartthrobs out of the 80s and 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And entirely tragic stories. What you started to see with their hotline was there was a lot of girls that got in trouble for calling up their hotlines. You know, yeah. there wasn't a lot of guys calling in. There were some, though. There were some. <laughs> there were some. Yeah, little no, Stevie. Sure. Imagine that when dad, when his dad finds out he's like a 900 number, he's like, that little bastard's been beaten off to some hot chicks, and he's like, Corey number. The Corey's. The, the, the Corey number. <laughs> Especially in the 80s. Yeah, oh my God. Exactly. But it became such a big issue uh, that it was going on that uh, even the Simpsons spoofed it. Oh, yes. And they had uh, Lisa on there, like, staring at the phone. You know, I just like, watched that episode like, last week. Really? Yeah, I love it. And she, like, finally, after, like, resisting for so long, like, runs up and grabs the phone and calls in. And it's like, Thanks for calling the Corey hotline. My name's Corey. 
here's some things that rhyme with Corey. Glory. <laughs> That's right. Story. <laughs> allegory. Yeah. Uh, Montessori. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> yeah, she's like yeah. smitten too. She's like, oh, Corey. And then you had the other pop stars. You had Paula Abdul. Yeah, she had her I was a big Grandpa Al Lewis from the Munsters had his own fan hotline. And who the fuck's calling that? <sighs> I didn't watch the Munsters too, but why? He's my least favorite character. I would have called Herman. <laughs> I loved Herman. Yeah. His wife was hot. I know. Yeah, in a spooky oh, yeah. goth way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. She, well, she always she had was. her tits hanging out too. Yeah. Well, that was the part the of the allure. Play. But do you remember the straight laced cousin, the blonde girl that lived there? And she was the sort of like fish out of water character. Yep. Yeah, I do remember. Oh that. yeah. Tell, babe. Oh yeah. And yeah. yeah, we're really. Really dating ourselves here, talking about <laughs> the fucking monsters of 900. Numbers. Like, someone right now is listening to this, is like 19 years old, and is like, What the fuck are these Click. guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. These guys are the oldest people on the planet. That Marsha Brady was such a dime. <laughs> oh, my nose. <laughs> and then you had our boy, Jose Canseco, yeah. had his own hotline. Yeah, of course he did. Uh, let's talk about like I don't know uh, appetizers. I like tater skins are pretty good. Hey, let's go to Hooters get some wings, man. <laughs> and then there was a lady named Jessica Hahn. So Jessica Hahn was involved in a sex scandal with televangelist That's Reverend right. Jim Baker. That was one yep. of the biggest tabloid stories in 1987. She oh, claimed yeah? it was non-consensual. He admitted to cheating on his wife Tammy Faye, but that it was consensual. Her ad promises to tell you the real story of their encounter. Oh, man. Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, who the fuck is Jessica Hahn? I I remember this. You have to remember, like, uh, some of our listeners know that I went to a very weird-ass church as a child. And Jim Baker was a guest at our church. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. Like, it was a big deal. Like, Hmm. this is actually right at the point that we got out of the church because my parents even were like, this guy is... It's problematic yeah. or whatever. But yeah, it was like a huge deal. But that's why, yeah, Jessica Hahn, it was, it was a big story in the late 80s. Especially if you were in that church crowd, like all the cool of us. We can't have little Mikey looking up to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was like, Jim Baker, that's what I want to be. A total charlatan. <laughs> and then you had one of my favorite duos from uh, the early 90s and late 80s, Bill and Ted. Yeah. They had the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey Game hotline where you could call in and listen to those two idiots. uh, I fucking love Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I remember one of the first weeks that me and my wife were together. She went along with me to multiple video stores to find a copy of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because she had never seen it. And I was like, you haven't lived until you've seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I showed it to her and she was not impressed. San Dimas High School Football Rules. Rules, yeah. dude. That mall scene is with Genghis Khan. Epic. When Genghis Khan goes into the sporting goods store mm-hmm. and just is on the skateboard with the baseball bat, mm-hmm. the football pads mm-hmm. on, just wrecking shit. And does a flip. Yeah. Man, that is entertaining. And then when Siggy, Sigmund Freud tries to pick up those chicks and he's like, you can call me Siggy. <laughs> and uh, that shit was like, what a geek. And then Socrates was like, geek. Yeah. I love it. Now, my question is, do you think that the new Bill and Ted's is going to be like even worth watching uh, you know nostalgia wise i'm gonna watch it just yeah. like the new top gun i am so fucking amped to watch that movie it's probably not gonna be very good mm-hmm. uh i know it won't i have a feeling it's gonna follow the dumb and dumber 2 path i never saw it it doesn't exist to me thankfully i think uh it'll definitely stir up some good memories though some just straight oh, yeah. nostalgia from when we were kids you know watching yeah. that kind of shit of course yeah so according to a priceonomics article the business was so booming that two books on making money off 900 numbers, including Benz's, the guy we talked about earlier, 
sold nearly 50,000 copies between them. Industry billing grew from an estimated $60 million in 1988 to almost a billion dollars in 1991. Yeah. Fascinating. I never knew that. Yeah, I saw an Entertainment Tonight video where they were talking about it, and as of 1992, it was a two billion dollar industry. I mean, and and two billion like nominal value dollars, like two 1992 two billion, or like is this adjusted for inflation? This was an Entertainment Tonight interview, like back from 91, and oh, wow. like December 91, and they're like, yeah, as it stands right now, the 900 number industry is set to be a two billion dollar industry in 1992. I guess it makes sense, too, because I saw in like 1987, there was a pretty hard crackdown when this one kid racked up like a $17,000 bill. Yep. So here was another quote. In those days, it was the Wild West. There were literally no rules or regulations, says Chris Kupchak, a pioneer of the 900 number business. People were doing whatever they wanted. She was a single mother and Kupchak put her two kids through college on her income through 900 numbers. That was what I was telling you about earlier. Hmm. At least some of Cupcheck's work involved adult chat lines, which is what most people who lived in that era associate with 900 numbers. Americans saw endless late-night commercials filled with fantasy girls lying awkwardly in silk lingerie while holding touch-tone phones. Hey, are you horny? Got nothing to do? Ran out of pizza? Call me now. She's like, I've got nothing better to do than talk to you, you fat loser. Well, we didn't touch on one of the most famous ones in there. Miss Cleo, call me now for your free reading. Oh, man. Now, we'll get into that because what happened, and I don't know if you covered this. Not at all. Okay. In around 91 or 92, because of the way that the 900 billion numbers were set up, and because of that massive $17,000 debt that kid accrued, AT&T and MCI basically dropped the entire 900 model. So everything at that point switched to 800 numbers, which in that case, you had to give them your credit a card. credit card. Yep. And I believe that Miss Cleo was still an 800 number. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So she, Call him in now and take off your pants. <laughs> she was a psychic sex talker. She was like, oh, yeah, I know it's going to happen. She's like, you're going to come in your hand. <laughs> So, two things about Miss Cleo. One, she was neither a psychic nor Jamaican. No. And she she didn't make neither any of the money. two. She didn't, but she, she really? said, yeah, apparently I read the story where she basically was the face of it. She made money, but she right. didn't make Miss Cleo money. That you would she think. ended up dying of cancer here, like, um, I don't know, in the past decade at some hmm. point. And she basically was pretty upset about the whole thing. In July 2016. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Huh. Yeah. In 1988, just a year after the 900 number really started, Congress passed a law that banned so-called dial-a-porn, but a year later, the Supreme Court overturned it. Good job, Supreme Court. Right? Moral judgment aside, there were real problems with fraud in the early years of 900 numbers. Scammers inserted long delays into messages to ramp up charges, peddled worthless generic information, made messages purposely difficult to hear, and charged excessive unadvertised fees. In one case, a company advertised a 900 number for a driver job in 60 newspapers at $20 a call, but didn't reveal that there were only three positions available. Hmm. Wow. Perhaps the most stunning scandal was an ad for a TV Santa Claus hotline that urged children to hold their phones up to the screen. When they did, <laughs> yeah, check this shit out. When they held the phone up to the screen, a program tone automatically dialed a 900 number 
the phone bill was a hell of a present for mom and dad after that. <laughs> oh, Dude, man. Hold the phone up to the fucking screen. It would dial the number and then start charging. Hey, kids. Well, yeah. that's like a clown. I guess it's not just Santa Claus. I, I, the other thing that you, that you brought up that blows my mind is them like garbled messages or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like that only takes one time or that the conversation had to go something like this. Like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm uh, just uh, think, thinking about you, uh, what you're doing. What? She's like, do you want to know what I'm doing? He's like, oh, yeah, definitely. Tell me what you're doing. And she's like, what I'm about to do is spread my cheeks and, I'll, and my it's out. And, oh, yeah, it feels good. Hang He's on, like, say wait, again. hold on, say that again. <laughs> she's like, oh, she's like, it's okay, daddy. Yeah, I'm just going to, she's bark in, the, in your face. <laughs> all I heard was in my face that's yeah, all I needed I said, I heard I face. I'm, I, he's like I've already pieced it together <laughs> oh that's so good that's so good thank you thank oh, I'm you. done I'm done beep 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 <laughs> I'll call you tomorrow so as you guys kind of alluded to the most serious cases involve children local and national media reported on a 17 year old's $10,500 phone bill for using the chat lines wow a boy with a disability had an $8,000 bill for a phone quiz. And as you alluded to, buddy, a girl who called the teen idol Corey Hames hotline 216 times. Ooh. What was the, did they give the number? For they didn't. Bill? Yeah, they just gave the number. But apparently on the Corey and Corey line you were talking about, buddy, they claimed that they would give their actual phone numbers once you called the 900 number. Call the 900 number and, hey, I'll give you my personal number and you can call me then. All it takes is 216 times and I'll give you my number right away. <laughs> Meet you at Disneyland. So then they would call into those numbers and it would just be like, hey, what's up? It's Corey. Man, I really love the color blue and Chinese food. So uh, anyways, call me back later and I'm going to have yeah. a new message up on my number later. So I'll see you then. And then they'd have to call back the 900 number. Also, I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told you guys though, that girl that I went to school with. I remember. So Disneyland is right there in Anaheim. And it was very common to spend your birthday at Disneyland. And I remember her telling everybody in class, like, I'm going to Disneyland. And we were all kind of like, oh, that's cool. And then she was like, and Corey Haim's going to meet me there. Mm -hmm. And even at that age, I was like, bullshit, You're man. Full of girl. <laughs> yeah. She was like, I'm, I'm, it's true. It is true. It is true. And then, of course, when it didn't happen, we all asked, yeah. you know, so did he meet you there or whatever? She was like, she just lied. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Picks or it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't the, oh, well, he was working on a movie, so he couldn't break away this weekend, but he's going to meet me next weekend for sure. Oh, yeah. No, she just said yes and then just basically buried that shit. Yep, so. exactly. Mm -hmm. And if that had happened, that's like your life's highlight to that point. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. probably for her case, the highlight of her entire life forever. So by the time the government regulators and upset parents caught on, the internet had begun its ascent. Free or just plain better websites replaced these expensive phone calls. Sports fan lines became fan sites. Dating lines became dating sites and later became dating apps. Mm -hmm. Sports recruiting lines turned into recruiting websites. And the pay-per-call industry didn't so much as die as it did move online. Yeah. It's yep. transformed. Yeah. Sure. So as it became more difficult to uh, collect from consumers, telephone carriers dropped out of the 900 business. AT&T left in 2002. And in 2012, the last 900 number carrier standing, Verizon, their owned MCI, announced that they were done. So in the U.S. at least, the 900 era was over. 
What I wonder what the last nine hundred number was. Just clinging to it. Probably that cup check lady. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. yeah honestly, that name sounds made up. Do you, do you guys remember what a cup check was when you played Little League? Oh yeah. Bam! It hit yeah, your. Uh, you have your yeah, catch it where it, and then just kick you right in the junk. Yep. Funny shit, guys. That's, oh, yeah. that's always fun. <laughs> All right, so that is uh, what I had for 900 numbers. I love it, man. Very nice, man. I love it. Yeah, weird deep dive into a strange topic. We've certainly uh, aged ourselves here, and everybody that listens knows that we're pretty fucking old, but that's yep. okay. Yeah, as if they don't already know that already. Well, keep in mind, I still feel like I'm 18 in the head. It's true. I have a 39-year-old's body, but I'm 18 in my mind. My dad always told me, and he was, you know, my dad, he's in his mid-60s, and he was like, in my mind, I'm still like 18 years old. And I was like, man, that's not good. <laughs> tell me that, dude. Because I'm like, yeah, I was like, at what point do I feel like I'm an adult? It's just not happening. Well, that's the thing. I have to play adult. Like 90% of my life at work, at home, yeah. you know, wife, kids. Then we get to come here and be kids again. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Excellent. <laughs> Give me my hypercolor shirt back. That's it. <laughs> my pit stained hypercolored shirt, bro. <laughs> awesome. So we hope you guys enjoyed this edition of our Fireside Chats. Hopefully we give you a little break to the real life craziness that we're all having to deal with right now. We hope everyone's staying safe and keeping their sanity during this weird, weird time. Tune in next week for our next episode of Asshole Court. And as always, we appreciate your support. All right. Adios.